Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast and our match report from Forest defeat at Villa Park, where they were outclassed by a formidable Aston Villa side by four goals to two. It didn't take Villa long to get going, scoring through Ollie Watkins after four minutes before Douglas Louise gabbed a couple. One after half an hour and one nine minutes later. Forrest put one back just before the break with Moussa Kate and notched again three minutes inside the second half through Morgan Gibbs-White. But Villa scored a fourth on the hour through Leon Bailey, a goal which ultimately buried Forrest. They now sit 16th in the table and four points above the relegation zone as Villa sit fourth, winning their first home game in three and moving five points clear of Tottenham in fifth. And it's the 1865 youth team today, as I'm your host, George, and I'm joined by Ellie alongside me. Both of us made the trip along to Birmingham, and it's yet another defeat, Ellie, but to a top team. And despite looking second best for a large period of the game, Forrest did have numerous chances, Ellie, and maybe could have scored more than the two goals than they actually did. Absolutely. I think both teams had a real weakness in defence. I think both teams are much better going forward than not conceding millions of goals. And very early on in the game, I pointed out, I said, oh gosh, look at that left back. He's any pressure on him, and it's Moreno, any pressure on him and he gives the ball away. He, bless him, brilliant going forward, put some annoyingly good balls forward, which we had to try and do something about. But I think they really did have a weakness defensively. And if we put the pressure on and challenged them, we really could have scored more goals. And I think we figured that out eventually going into the second half. But despite the 4-2 goal line, I feel like it was very much a game of two halves. We showed up in the second half and there's actually quite a lot to be positive about. A lot to be less positive about, but also... I'm not too stressed from this result. We did show fight. So I did for a brief period think it was going to be another Fulham. And I was like, oh no, oh gosh, here we are traveling to Birmingham and we're going to get smacked 6-0. But it wasn't. And that shows some real resilience from our Forest players as well. 
Always look on the bright side, Ellie. That's why we love you. <laughs> so we'll take a look at the team news then. And Forrest made a single change from the West Ham win as Nuno Tavares dropped out of the matchday squad and he was replaced rather strangely by Musa Niakate at left back. So Matt Sells played in goal. We had a back four, Nico Williams, Felipe, Murillo and Niakate. Nico Dominguez and Danilo in midfield with Morgan Gibbs-White just ahead of them. Callum Hudson-Odoi and Anthony Langer on the wings and Taiwo Awanya up front. Uh, on the bench, Turner, Toffolo, Omabamadeli, Montiel, Coyote, Yates, Reina, Origi and Ribeiro. Um, the rather strange decision to play near Cate, it was exposed early on as Villa took the lead just four minutes into the game. Near Cate vacated space and he was sort of a lot higher than the other three in the back four, allowing Leon Bailey to have space in behind. John McGinn played him through down the right-hand side and he had a free one at Murillo. Murillo approached him, but uh, Leon Bailey did really well to jink it past him dribble goalwards and then look to square it to the middle. And Ollie Watkins had the easiest of tasks to tap in for 1-0. And it's, it's the first time we've really seen Murillo beaten by that and probably not helped by Nia Kate's lack of awareness at left-back. So after a clean sheet last time out, Forrest conceded four minutes in. Here we were thinking, oh, look, I, there was actually an article from The Athletic even talking about how we found our defensive setup. <laughs> Yeah, that, and you know, I would argue, and I think a lot of people disagree with this. I, a lot of people went into this game saying this was a free hit game. I absolutely disagree with that. I hate that mindset. And I think the problem is our players went in with that mindset. Hence why we started so poorly. Because like you say, Murillo is better than that. Bless his cotton socks. He can't head for Toffee, but he's really, really good with his feet usually. But to blame Murillo, Murillo entirely for that goal would be, grossly unfair because Nia Carte was completely out of his depth as a left back blessing. I love Nia Carte. I love to see him start, but not as a left back. Not everyone can be Jack Colbeck. And I just don't think he could um it it just didn't work. I think is it is Tavares injured or ill or something? Sure. Yeah, yeah it, I, he wasn't I, in the I team photo. He wasn't in the team photo that Forrest put out of the Afghan player. Yeah. So yeah, it's not looking and, Toffolo, is he mm. recovering or something? Because why was Toffolo not in left back? Is yeah, what I th- don't like. I'm genuinely baffled. Yeah, I, I think just, we'll get onto that later, but it doesn't seem like Nuno favours him, does it, at the minute? I know. I can understand. I, we all know that Toffolo isn't perfect, but what Toffolo doesn't tend to do is make mistakes. Yeah. He's not very fast and he can very easily be outclassed, and especially by Aston Villa. He would have been. I can see the understanding that oh no, Toffolo, that'll be difficult for him because they're just they are very, very, very good going forward and there's pace, there's everything. So I can understand the hesitation to wanting to put Toffolo in left back. But why on earth would you go, oh, you know what? Who would be better? Neocarte. Weird. Don't understand it. It's it's a terrible choice of lineup, I would say. I love Nuno and I think he's he's doing a brilliant job. So I don't I'm not gonna take this as he's a terrible manager because he's not. He learned his lesson, changed it at half time, you know, like Yeah. A little bit he's still new, still experimenting, didn't work, won't do that again, I very much hope. But yeah, four minutes in, very poor. We should have done better there. We could have done better there. And I don't even think we were outclassed at that point. It was just very, very poor, sloppy, lazy defending. 
And I'm pretty sure the last time the Akate fed left back was against Brentford and he got sent off. So if Nuno wasn't given a warning sign by watching that game, I don't know what would. But the early goal then just walked into Villa's game plan, really. Then they could pass it around and just wait for the Forest mistake, really. And they didn't have to do much for one to come. Uh, they had a few opportunities. Uh, Watkins uh, forced sells into a, a good stop. No, no, it was actually Bailey, wasn't it? Forced uh, sells into a good stop at the near post. Um, and then Niakate had to do a goal line clearance of Watkins shot towards goal. So the game just seemed to be heading one way at that point, Ellie. And we'll talk about the second goal to come, but it certainly wasn't heading Forest's way. Oh, gosh, absolutely not. Heads were down. Heads yeah. were every. I think every single player's head was down, except for Nico Williams. Every single player wasn't in the right mindset and you could see it. We were being walked all over. And if Forrest didn't learn their lesson from considering the first goal, they pretty much considered the same goal on half an hour as they did in four minutes. So near Kate was out of position again. That allowed Bailey to slip in former Forrest uh, player Matty Cash, sprinted down the wing and then again Marilla comes to approach him, but Cash gets past him quite easily and gets the ball into Jacob Ramsey. He then turns and finds Douglas Louise who sweeps it in first time from the penalty spot. And it's frustrating to concede such a similar goal, Ellie, but as much as every goal is avoidable, do you sometimes just have to hold your hands up to opposing quality? No, absolutely not. I really, they're fourth for a reason. They're very, very good. I do not discount that credit where credit's due. But that was poor defending. We can't look at that and be proud of that. We can't look at that and say, oh, you know what, they're just quick, they're just clever. No, what were defence doing? Why Why have we got Douglas Louise unmarked on the edge of the box? Like, what, what is that about? You know, that's basics, basics. And this isn't me slaughtering our defence saying they're not good enough. I'm saying, and they know it, they weren't good enough for the first 40 minutes of the game. And they know it. It would be a disservice to say that they were. They know they can play better than that. And they showed us that, well, you know, given the substitutions as well, showed us that in the second half. So I don't hold my hands up at all. I think it was, we're gifting them goals where we didn't need to. They didn't have to work hard to get through our defence. We need to do better and we're very much capable of being better. But like I say, a lot of that was down to a dodgy lineup. But Murillo, two times getting rinsed. He's better than that. He knows he's better than that. I love Murillo. He's a fabulous player. He is still young. He's going to make mistakes completely understandable but we we should have done better we should not have been 2-0 down at all but based on the way we were playing it's exactly the goal line we deserved and you talk about making it too easy for Villa you can look at the third goal we conceded nine minutes mm-hmm. after that and that was you know so so easy for Villa they had a corner and actually to that point Forrest had been defending corners and free kicks semi okay we didn't really seem to be much of a threat and we defended this corner it came out to Dominguez and, I don't know, he maybe could have tried to bring it down, but it's a, a silly header that goes straight back to Aston Villa. They work it down to the right. John McGinn twists and turns and gets across him with his right foot to the near post. I think Murillo's the first man, misses him. There's two Villa players yeah. in there and it's Douglas Luiz who powers a header and into the back of the net. I mean, at this point, there was some people in the upper tier where I was sitting, streaming out and heading for the exits. And you mentioned that Fulham scoreline earlier, Eddie. It was quite a concerning uh, feat at that point. Oh, absolutely. Everyone was thinking, oh, you could just feel in the air, like, not again. Like, thinking we had it happen with Cooper. 
we thought we were like back on the up and it was very stressful. And I think this is where Murillo actually, so like I, he made two mistakes that aren't very Murillo-esque. Mm-hmm. It happens because he's young, understandable. He's a fabulous player and I'm not saying that he's not. I know the Murillo brigade will get me otherwise. But um, <laughs> this is where Murillo is lacking. He cannot head full stop at all, bless him. And as we saw, it, he, may, he may as well have not been there. It, you know, bless. that's something he absolutely, if anything, needs to work on because it's cost us a few times. Fabulous with his feet, makes incredible tackles and can put in some ridiculously good magical balls. But bless him, could not head if his life depended on it. <laughs> and there was that third goal, suddenly feeling very miserable, suddenly feeling very ready for another 5-6-0 defeat. And I had faith in Forrest. I went in saying we could win this because we could. But not if we continue to play like that. We absolutely deserve that to be 3-0 down. Yeah, and we see that Murillo's often partnered with players like Bali and Felipe to maybe counteract the height differential. And the only time really someone's not been there is when Amabamadeli's played. And that for me, that didn't look great. I know a lot of fans did like him, but those two as a partnership didn't suit me. So I think Felipe yeah. is, is a lot of a better partner, but considering four goals doesn't really prove that. But as Ellie said, halftime was looking quite bleak. Where I was in the upper tier, there was no beer. So we couldn't even be relieved by that. And Forrest were just looking absolutely out of their league. But halftime was made slightly more enjoyable by Forrest, as in the last minute of stoppage time, after having probably their best period of the game, uh, Forrest got a corner. It was Nico Williams who crossed. It was blocked by, I think, Paul Torres out for a corner. And gives White with the outswinging delivery to the far post. Tower when you heads it back towards goal. And who have just been slating for about 15 minutes. Musa Niakate is there to chest over the line. And give Forrest, you know, a bit of positivity to to end the half. I've got to be honest, I said to Grandad next to me, my gut feeling was firstly that Gibbs White had curled the ball out of play and then back in. And secondly, I was convinced that Niakate was offside. But luckily, <laughs> VAR, VAR confirmed that and the goal stood. So, Ellie, after Forrest's best period of the game in stoppage time, going 3-1 down is a lot better than 3-0 down. And I guess it maybe had the potential to change everything. Absolutely. And I think... Like you say, we, we decided to start playing. It only took, you know, 43 minutes, 45 <laughs> minutes before we decided we wanted to start playing, but we did start playing and we started to show Aston Villa what we're really about. And score, I'm glad as well. I know it's an obvious thing to say that we scored so late into the first half because then we brought some of that confidence yeah. into the second half. We were quite good at scoring goals early and then just conceding three and losing. So. It gave us something to fight for. And well done to Nia. Is that Nia Carte's first goal yeah. for Forrest? First Forrest nice. goal, yeah. Apart from the Who penalty. Oh, Apart yeah. From... But first, well, first real goal. First real goal for Forrest. But, so it was really good to see. And I think, I think one thing we'll talk about as well, I think Awanyi wasn't up to speed. Bless it. He, he was clearly carrying a knock, some sort of lack of fitness. That like it was, the one knee wasn't as strong, as physical, as fast as he is usually. And it was obvious for everybody on the pitch and everyone in the stands to see. But it was really nice because it was a one year, wasn't it, who hedged it into Niakate. So even when he's not up to speed, a one year can still <laughs> work some magic, which is 
a ridiculous type of player to have at Forest. So it was very good. Go went into the second half feeling very positive, and I think as we'll talk about, the game completely turned on its head. Yeah, Tywo was some striker to have it for a team like Forest. Uh, so a lot did change at the break. We saw Tywo replaced by Divock Origi, Origi going onto the wing, and Elanga going down the middle, probably to provide Forest a bit more pace going forward. And then the centre back trio uh, duo rather of Murillo and Felipe were replaced. So Amabama Deli came on and Toffolo as well, meaning that Niakate slotted uh, much to my uh, delight back into centre-back and Toffolo was playing left-back. So the changes added more pace to Forest attack and it worked early on, didn't it, Ellie? Oh, absolutely. It was, what, we scored in the 48th minute and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I'm going to see Forest come back 3 or 4-3 we're ready. This is super exciting. And I think, it, like I say, it was absolutely the right decision to make. I think Murillo and Felipe, they both had yellow cards. They both been booked, hadn't they? Yeah. So yeah. I think, well, clearly, you know, they'd not done particularly well in the first half. Perhaps a bit unfair on Felipe. But I can understand why they came off. Oma Bamadele, I actually think, started really, really well. He looked really strong alongside Neocarte, which I've I'll be honest, I didn't expect. <laughs> and then, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about Omabanadele some more. But I think one thing as well, I'll point out about the lineup because we've changed it. I'm glad Origi came on. Usually I don't say that, but Awanyi wasn't himself. Bless him. And to be fair, Origi did a good job, I'll say. I think I was surprised to say it, but he did a good job. And hopefully we can see more of that from Origi. But one thing I think, Forrest got wrong to go back to the original lineup and this even what we ended up putting in the second half it, my dad pointed it out was they've got a very good strong defence and we had defence not defence midfield is what I meant to say and we had two in midfield just Danilo and Dominguez who Danilo had a brilliant game he struggled in the first 20 minutes but he played really really well and uh, not quite man in a match because Nico Williams absolutely deserved that. But I would say a second. And we haven't exactly got the strongest, most physical of midfield if Ryan Yates isn't in there. Yeah. So I feel like the starting lineup and even the lineup going into the second half, whilst much, much better, still isn't what I think we should have done. And it's not what cost us the game, but we were overrun in midfield. But at the end of the day, second half, we scored a goal within 48 minutes and they were shaking in their boots. They they, they looked ready to make more errors. They looked, heads were down. They weren't looking confident at all. It looked more, Forrest looked more like scoring than they did for the first however many minutes of the second half. So I was very pleased to see that and I was ready to, you know, have an absolute party. Yeah, just on your last point about the midfield, it quite clear, and it must have been a tactical thing, but Dominguez was like playing fullback for most of the like first yeah. half. It was like playing right back and and it was just like we had Danilo in midfield and Gibbs White coming coming and going. So I'm not really sure if that worked, but we'll talk about that goal then. So Forrest won it back uh, in their own half and Ilanga went on this mazy driving run from midway into our own half until the edge of the villa box. It was brilliant to see and such a, an Ilanga esque run. It was brought down, but Origi uh, followed the run and he capitalised on the ball, collected it, and then he slotted it through to Morgan Gibbs-White, 
and into the penalty area. He beat the offside trap, beat Martinez to the ball and chipped it so composedly over um, Emmy Martinez. And it was such a, a brilliant finish from Morgan Gibbs-White, Ellie. Oh, I'm so glad to see Morgan Gibbs-White scoring. I mean, not that we're not, he doesn't do it, but he works so hard as a player. I think actually outside of his goal, he didn't have his best game. No. Compared to usual, doesn't mean I don't like Morgan Gibbs-White. I think he's an outrageously good player with so much potential. But if even on your bad days you can score a goal, that's something to take from. That's definitely something to be positive about. It was a brilliant goal. I was quite amused as well that when Elanga, it was Elanga who went down, wasn't it? And then Origi's on the edge of the box there, ready to throw a strop, sees that the ball is actually kind of, Therefore, I'm going, oh, you know what? And I, I, I'm glad that he was aware enough to stop throwing a stop and ready to get the ref that he continued play. So it was a really good goal. I think Alanga was fouled, but it didn't matter anyway. So well done, Forrest. And that's what happens when Forrest stays up. Don't throw yourself on the floor all the time, especially not with that ref. So uh, yeah. I was glad to see they continued play. Yeah, and Origi's impact shouldn't be underestimated. I think it, it was incredible how impactful he was straight away because often subs can fade and grow into the game. But from half-time, he was pretty much on it. And that was showed again. He set up Ilanga about two or three minutes after the goal. He found him in the box with a brilliantly chipped through ball, I'm pretty sure it was. And Ilanga had a great position into the box on the right. Had to get that on target. And Forrest Tails were up at that point, but he just dragged it well wide. And you've got to get shots like that and opportunities like that on target uh, in games like this because Forrest were really purring in the early periods and there was a fear that I suppose once Villa got into their game and woke up how they did in the first half maybe they'd become a dominant and overpower Forrest and they gave Forrest a warning sign it was a cross as they attacked down the right hand side recycled by as you said Alex Moreno who was very good attacking probably a lot better than he's defensively I think Forrest were rumoured with signing him at one point so yeah, Moreno yeah. crosses it into the box from the right, uh, left, sorry, as he beat Williams. And it was Yuri Tielemans, the Leicester reject, who got onto it with the instep of his left foot and it struck the outside of the post. So, Ellie, Forrest oh. had to take that early chance, but it was a cracking game if you were a neutral at this point. Oh, gosh, yeah. As a neutral, I mean, my heart rate was all over the shop, but as a neutral, I can imagine it was very entertaining. I was not happy to see it. We... We did get a bit of a, what's it, the phrase, get out of jail card. Is that the phrase? We kind of escaped one there, basically. Um, Like you say, that Morena going forward is is freakishly good going forward. And we got away with one. So, you know, we want to take that and think, okay, we're not 4-2 down. We look more like, well, I say we look more like scoring in them, but they nearly scored. But we can still bring this back. It's, it was very winnable still at this point. But it soon flipped on its head and with one defensive mistake from Forrest and it all came undone. So Villa were pressing Forrest well and they were just, get, like I said, getting a bit of confidence and starting to maybe try and play out the back a bit more and build an attack. And they pressed Forrest back, played it to Omar Bamadeli and his pass into midfield towards Danilo was straight to Yuri Tielemans who pounced on it, waited, spotted it through to Ollie Watkins in the box. And it was brilliant strike away from Watkins. He let it run uh, ahead of him, which meant Sells came and sprawled towards the ball. But that only opened the door for Watkins to square for Bailey, who had assisted him earlier in the game. Watkins returned the favour and squared to him. And Bailey couldn't really miss, tapped home. And Ellie Forrest had done so well to get back into the game. But 
Was there a sense of game, set, match at this point? It was just, oh, like you say, we'd done so well to get back into the game and to gift them a goal like mm-hmm. that when we really didn't need to. They're a very good size. They won't gift us goals. But to give them that when we were so close, heads went down after that. It kind of, the game was taken away from us. Not so much that, you know, we couldn't bring it back with two goals, but more that Aston Villa's confidence went right up after that and meant that they were no longer in their little, because they were in a bit of a state the beginning of the first, uh, beginning of the first half, beginning of the second half. They looked like they were ready to make errors. They were crumbling. They were, they were looking very scared of us. And then, bless Amabamadelic, I thought he'd had a really, really good start in, well, coming on in the second half. He played really well, really strong defensively. And then you made that error. Oh, why do we keep doing this? Why do we gift so many goals like this? It's, we've got to have a ridiculous number of goals where it's we've just literally just given them to them in our own area. Very frustrating. And I think, actually, I think Sells could have done a bit better that way. I mean, I didn't expect him to save that. I didn't expect him to, you know, be able to rescue Amabamadele. But I think he could have done a bit better if we're being harsh. He kind of came out and basically just got, it was Watkins, wasn't it? Got Watkins' foot and none of the ball or anywhere near the ball. I guess that is, you know, credit to Watkins, to be fair. But really didn't need that from Amabamadele. Feel for him because he had played really well, but really don't need those mistakes in the position we were in. And the West Ham game was the first time really Forrest had not had any defensive mistakes and we managed to win the game. But unfortunately, they crept back in in this game and we saw how it ended up. But the goal didn't actually really dent Forrest's momentum because they had a couple of or quite a few big chances, to be fair. Straight from the kickoff, Forrest got down the right with Danilo and Williams. And then there's an excellent ball from Williams to the far post for hudson Adoy at the back stick. And you're thinking, you know, he scored three and three in form on his right foot in the box in space. But he slipped at the crucial moment and his shot ballooned well over and into the whole end. He had another chance a few minutes later, cutting in from the left, uh, drove forward from halfway towards the edge of the box and curls it towards goal that the keeper saves. And then substitute Ryan Yates has a chance, uh, about 15 minutes to play here. We've got a free kick midway inside the Villa half. Gibbs White chips it and it's very easy to get in actually from free kicks because of the high line that Villa employ. He beat the offside trap, stuck a left boot at it, volleyed it towards goal and it was a poor effort in the end and went very, very much wide. And Ellie, if you want to take points off a team like Aston Villa, then you've got to at least stick one of them chances away. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Hudson Odoi falling when he did was just so <laughs> just so unfortunate. It felt exactly like I think it summed up kind of how the game went as a whole. Get yourself in that position, do really well, literally slip up when it matters. And then for Ryan Yates, I've been saying this for ages. We need Ryan Yates to score one of these goals because it keeps happening where he's headed it wide or he's headed it, it's been saved or in these, you know, corners and these free, in these moments. We just need him to score one. And I think he'll, it will set off a number of goals. He'll start putting them in after that because he gets so close and once he scores one I think that's all he needs Mm -hmm. 
and he'll be able to make sure they all hit the back of the net. And like you say, against Villa, you've got to take those opportunities. We're good enough to do it. It just didn't go our well, it's our own fault, but it didn't go our way. And it is unfortunate. I don't know once it was 4 2, because whatever minute they scored, I don't know if we were able to um, win after that. But I reckon we looked in a position where we could have at least, we could have drawn. We looked like we could score more goals. And like you say, there were two two opportunities there that very well should have been, I think Yatesy certainly should have been a goal. And Cullen Hudson's O'Doy should at least have been on target to either be a goal or have a chance for some sort of deflection or something else instead of it flying out massively wide. But it just wasn't to be. It just wasn't to be. And on the Yates point, I remember in the championship, he he, he was doing this similar thing of missing loads of chances. And then he scored a goal. I think it was Sheffield United away. He scored from a corner late on. And then he went on a run of about five in six. And that's what we need to that's what we need to happen with him. Hopefully he can do something like that and rekindle the form. Yeah. But Villa's fourth goal really did seem to kill the contest apart from those forest chances. They couldn't find their way back into the game from four two down. And that's unfortunately how it finished at Villa Park. So we're going to take a break and then we're going to get the view from the opposition afterwards and reflect further on the match. The 1865 Match Report. We're pleased to announce that this episode of 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast, is sponsored by Green King Sport, where football is more than a game. Green King Sport venues are showing every single televised Forest fixture over the 23-24 season. And with more than 900 sports pubs across the UK, it doesn't matter where you're based, you can catch every single minute of the action. If you download the Green King Sport app, you won't just get 10% off all drinks anytime there's a match on the TV, but this month there's also free Guinness to be won and the chance to win one of six holidays. And you'll be supporting us here at 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. Now it's back to your podcast. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. Hello everybody, this is Neil from For the Love of Paul McGrath Podcast. I think on the balance of play, Villa were the better team, obviously, in this game today, as the scoreline suggests, but... uh, I think the early goal was the real catalyst for Aston Villa. We played some absolutely fantastic football for the first 40 minutes or so, uh, obviously getting out to a three-goal lead, uh, only for Nikate to to peg one back just before just before the break. And then obviously Morgan Gibbs-White to score just after the break. And that's somewhere that Villa have been a bit, we've been a bit fragile uh, of late, of this season, I suppose, really, is just before the break and just after the break. And, and it proved that way again. And, and what was a comfortable 3-0 lead started to become a 3-2 nervy situation. Obviously, Pau Torres going off as well for Aston Villa wasn't ideal. He's just such a linchpin for us at, at centre-half. 
the amount of uh, creativity he brings from that position. I know that might sound silly, but as a passing centre-half, as a ball-playing centre-half, he's just been absolutely revolutionary within this team. He comes out and kind of Chambers comes in and all, but for maybe a, a nervy first five to ten minutes, I thought he was pretty good uh, as the game went on. And um, obviously, uh, Forrest bringing on their substitutes at halftime, Toffolo and uh, Divakarigi, who was absolutely brilliant, I thought, when he came on. He was really creative and uh, dropped deep and caused lots and lots of issues, allowed the, the quicker, pacier players that Forrest had playing behind him to to have a run in our defence and on our high line and get him behind them as well. And, you know, it made things really nervy for Aston Villa for, for maybe the first 15 minutes of the second half. And then I think Villa, Villa regathered control of it once more. And uh, obviously the Leon Bailey goal at the end, that tap-in was uh, was the icing on the cake. And from there, Villa really never looked like they were going to going to relinquish the, the, the lead. But um, I'm a real... I do have a real soft spot, as I've said to you guys before, for Forrest. I think Nuno is a brilliant appointment for you guys. Played some really good football for a 20-minute period there in, uh, in in that second half. And uh, I, 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 you know, I know it's silly to talk about relegation or anything like that, but I don't think you guys have anything to worry about, even if there was a points deduction um, from the Premier League. Really like some, a lot of the players that you have. Um, Murillo at centre-half is a real nice player. Um, I like Dominguez in midfield. Um, and also, you know, take your pick from your front four. They're really pacey. And when he wasn't on, on, on his game today, I know he was carrying some sort of injury as well, I think um, that was the case. Uh, but he's a real top striker, you know, um, and somebody who's got really great goal conversion rate as well. Uh, so really good players in that Forest team. Um, like the setup that's there and, and also really, really uh, enthused to see what Nuno can bring. Uh, for I suppose once he really gets his feet under the table, maybe with an off season and so on with with uh, with Forest. But uh, yeah, today's was Aston Villa's day, and uh, we make our charge or we continue our charge towards what we would hope would be Champions League football at the end of the season. Thank you, Neil. Yeah, it was certainly Villa's day, but some nice words about Forest and our attacking play. I think it's probably worth mentioning that because. Under Nuno, Forrester really making a habit of scoring goals. We've now scored the same amount of goals in Nuno's nine matches in the Premier League than we did in the 17 under Cooper. And we've scored two or more in seven of those nine. And Ellie, like we mentioned at the top of the show, we could have had a lot more yesterday. So that is an ultimate positive that's in the Forest side at the minute. Oh, absolutely. We certainly have no issues scoring them. Definitely have issues conceding them. <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm glad to hear a Villa fan see it how we saw it. I was worried yeah. he was going to turn around and say, we absolutely should have rinsed them. there. So I'm glad to see that, you know, the Villa fan knows what he's talking about. Because it was, they were the better team on the day, but it very well could have gone either way if we'd have been able to keep our, keep our heads on and not put our heads down or make silly errors like we did. And it looks like we've gone from losing 1-0 to 2-3 and 4-2 every week. So at least the games are exciting these days. And it's not a time to be overtly negative, I don't think, after this, because going into the game, and especially this run of form, we're all probably expecting a defeat. But we can take positives from the performance, I think, can't we? Origi coming on, I think, is the first one that we can draw on because he's been quite anonymous in the Forest shirt from what we've seen of him. But he came on against West Ham and, and did reasonably well. And I think... These 45 minutes against Aston Villa, although he sort of faded towards the end, but the whole team did once Villa scored. But he was a real positive. And on the wing, 
not really his position that he's played throughout his career, but he looked really strong there, really, with passing as well as pace and, and ability. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like Origi came on strong. I saw more from him than I think we've seen from him all season. And it was quite exciting. He did a good job. He, like I say, everyone struggled towards the end after that fourth goal. But he looked very, very promising, very exciting. And he did. It was an assist, wasn't it, for Morgan Gibbs-White? It is an assist. Mm -hmm. So fair play to Origi. Maybe we can see more of that in future. I would like to see more of that in future. But I think, what was it, Neil? His name was the Aston Villa fan. Mm -hmm. I think he made a very good point that we essentially lost the game within four minutes. And I think that that's a very good point, actually, because you said it as well, it played into their game plan and it meant that we were with our heads down to make an error so early. So it's a good point, but lots to be taken from that. Like I said, lots of positives. We showed resilience. We showed fight, which is something we had been lacking prior to Nuno's appointment. And that was what was really concerning. I know I speak for almost all Forest fans when we say we don't mind losing. Well, we do mind losing. But what makes it even worse is when it looks like the players didn't care or didn't try, whereas we definitely can't say that for yesterday's game. Showed a lot of fight, a lot of effort and a lot of talent as well. Moments of brilliance. Unfortunately, moments of stupidity did cost us the game, but a lot of positives to take from that. And just on a negative and something I picked up as well on the first half particularly was um, it was very frustrating because Tywin, we mentioned that he didn't look that fit, but there was times where he would maybe press, but it wouldn't be backed up. And we, we sort of at times rattled their defence because you mentioned that their defence didn't look that, that you know, solid. But at times we, we rattled them and we um, ruffled the feathers and stuff. But Tywin would press with maybe Hudson-Odoi, but the team wouldn't back him up. And then that meant that we had players out of position and then Villa could play through us. And that's how we just made it far too easy for them. So I think that, and we mentioned it earlier in the in the pod as well, but for me, the selection of Niakate was just at completely the wrong decision. And I suppose you can see why, because you'd maybe think he's better defensively than Toffolo is, as he's a centre-back. But playing left-back, especially in the modern day where Forrest tried to play at a higher line than normal, playing left-back is a completely different position. And when Toffolo is a natural left-back. Why he didn't get selected is beyond me. Honestly, it was... I feel like this isn't what cost us ultimately in the end, but tactically and lineup wise we went into the game completely wrong. And like we say, why Toffolo didn't start over Neocarte baffles us all. I can see the thinking. It is just a terrible idea. Uh, gave it a shot, didn't work, changed it at half-time, so fair play to him. He immediately went back on what was an, a fatal error, I would say. And tactically, like you say, we should have pressed more. And I think we figured it out eventually. But why did it take like 30 minutes before we figured out that when we apply pressure, defensively, Aston Villa, that was their that was their weakness. That was their glaring weakness in their team, is defensively. And as I said earlier on, you put pressure on Marino, he gave the ball away. Every time, nearly, when pressure was applied, so I was glad to see eventually Nico beginning to capitalise on that. And once we did that, we looked a lot better. So tactically, I think we went about the game all wrong. But it, essentially, that isn't what lost us the game. Silly mistakes, lapse in focus was what lost us the game. But certainly, like we say, a lot of positives to come from that. 
And a big positive, like you mentioned, is the attacking play because Origi has came off the bench and we've got Reina as well. And on the wings particularly, it was a place where we were quite light going into the transfer window because Hudson had done an angle. One of them seemed to be injured throughout the whole of the season. And then we've signed Reina, we've signed Origi, uh, or Origi sort of moved to the wing. And we saw that against Bournemouth. I think it was Nuno's first game where he played on the wing. But then we got that red card, the ridiculous red card that I'm not going to mention anymore. Thanks, Rob Jones that made Origi have to come off and he looked promising there. So this is the first time we've seen him on the wing and he looks promising. Reina came in and then Hudson-Odoi just looks like a completely new player, really, doesn't he? Because in these last four games, I know today he he fluffed the chance and didn't look great in front of goal. But we saw quite a few times, particularly in the first half, he had the confidence to do a few stepovers and get past a few players, which a month ago even, we wouldn't have seen him do that. Absolutely. I've always said that there is a player in Callum Hudson-Odoi. I think, to be fair, we all knew it mm-hmm. based on his history. He just needed that confidence. I think he's been massively lacking in confidence for obvious reasons. Giving him that confidence, which Nuno clearly is. I think Nuno, didn't he, at one point, put out a statement just talking about how brilliant he was, yeah. which is brilliant from the manager as well, when you know that a player is lacking confidence to give him the praise that they deserve and maybe even more than they necessarily deserve just to help them get their heads up. He's really starting to come into form. I think there's even more to be shown from Callum Hudson-Odoi. I still don't think that's even him reaching any sort of ceiling in his career and his talents, which is very, very exciting to know that you've got a player who's just growing and growing as the season goes on. And like say, he's... Unfortunately, he did fluff it in front of goal, but he's done so much outside. I think one thing he really brings is his his crosses and he does have those magical moments, those passes that sometimes we wouldn't, oh, I know I certainly wouldn't have seen. And he's been fantastic in the last few games. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it four and four, but still played very well. Still a scary player. Still someone Aston Villa had to worry about. And then looking ahead then, Ellie, we've got Manchester United in the cup before Liverpool and Brighton to come and the ever looming points deduction as well. So it doesn't look like the best run. But given the second half performance at Villa Park, especially the first 20 minutes of it where Forrest really threatened Villa, do you think that Forrest can rekindle the positivity and the flowing football that we saw last weekend in these upcoming games? Absolutely. I think lessons were learned. Mm-hmm. I think uh, certainly for Nuno, <laughs> as we've spoken about, but also the players may have more I think they hopefully have more faith in themselves because I think they started the game bar Nico Williams quite nervous and they didn't need to. I think they realised they're better because they really competed with a very, very strong Aston Villa. We scared them. And I think hopefully, even though we ended up losing, that is something to be confident about going into this scary run of form. Scary run of form, scary run of games even. And as for Man United, am I correct in saying that Hoyland, he's out, isn't he? Well, you know, bad news for Hoyland and Man United. Hope he's all right. Just hope he's out, you know, for us. <laughs> so I see that's something at least for Forrest. And I think we've done it before. We can beat Man United again. And hopefully that's even more confidence for Forrest because I think that's, of everything we're lacking, I think it is confidence and consistency because we've certainly got the talent and the potential. That's not anything I doubt whatsoever. Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with you there, Ellie. I think we'll leave it there then. So thank you for joining me, Ellie. And thank you to Neil 
for the opposition view. And thank you, listener. We really appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, X, Twitter, TikTok, everywhere we are. And you can find all the links at 1865.football. That's the words, 1865.football. We'll be back next week after the Manchester United game with the report and the Friday Five. And hopefully Forrest can get a nice result there. And have a great week from us. It's bye from me, Nelly. And come on, you Reds. You Reds. Yeah, right. I'm so quickly take a uh, allergy tablet. Yeah, I don't want you to start dying in the middle of the park. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.